Well, welcome to Open Outcry, where we roll from the close of the US trade and into the new trading session. And we take the pulse of the financial markets. We assess the key themes, the views, the flows, and the movers and shakers to help traders and investors efficiently navigate markets and risk. Open Outcry, as we know, is, of course, an antiquated relic of the financial system. And back once again, we've got two dinosaurs of the trading world, myself and Mr. Scott Redford, Pepperstone's head of product and senior member of our flow desk as well, Mr. Redford. Um, I want to touch on to start with um, uh, the situation we saw with Nigel Farage, um, a patriotic mm. guy uh, launching his own gin line. Is, is, is that something that would uh, tipple you? We just missed um, Father's Day in, in, in Australia. I mean, that would have been a perfect present, wouldn't it? You know, he's, he's got a red, <laughs> red, white, and blue gin. Um, would that have uh, would that tipple your fancy? Are you a gin man? I, I am a gin man. I mean, it'd be quite a statement having a bottle of that on display in the house, wouldn't it? It would be a statement. And... It would be a statement. Yeah, it'd, yeah. It'd be like yeah. having a, a red MAGA cap in some capacity, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I had I had a red cap. Of a, I went to some a, some watched some baseball years ago and had a red cap from that, and I had to stop wearing that back in uh, whenever that was, twenty sixteen or so, because people. And your 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 slightly balding ginger hair would have uh, would have caught the sun on a day like that that hat would have been quite useful <laughs> slightly balding is very generous I, yeah but um yeah thanks but yeah i mean the producers in cornwall have come out denying involvement with this gin so no one wants to be associated with this lad but i'm sure yeah he'll, he'll find yeah, his gin, market won't he? gin's gin at the end of the day really we're quite lucky we live in melbourne which is uh got some good ones so uh yeah i don't think i'll be rushing out to buy a farage gin at this stage 40 quid for your troubles as well. Another story that Holy we took God, out was hell. that uh, another story that I took out was that peanut farmers in China, the world's biggest grower, there uh, uh, are really feeling um, the the pinch at the moment because of the hot weather. Not a laughing matter, of course, but uh, we are now seeing a, a massive rise in what they call nutless pods, which I'm sure we could turn into some sort of gag. Um, but ultimately, they're talking about output tumbling as much as 30% this season. China account for over a third of global peanut output. So Mr. Redford, in the morning, uh, when you're getting the, the Redford family together, you're putting your peanut butter on your toast, you might be paying a lot more in the future, one to be aware of. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's easy just to see these as isolated sort of incidents, isn't it? Talk, talk of nutless pods and have a laugh. But when you start to think about the flow on effects, yeah. you start to think, you know, what's, what's my peanut butter going to cost me? What's my Kung Pao chicken at the takeaway on a Friday night going to cost right. me? You know, those sort of things. You know? What do you think about the old... Um, if prices are going to rise as a result, I mean demand's not going to fall. Uh, are we long? Are we long peanut butter, short Vegemite? Yeah, I um, long peanut butter, short Vegemite. Yeah, that's a good call. I like that Pierce trade, mate. I do like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. And you, you do have to wonder if the quality is going to suffer, though. You know, we've all had a bag of nuts before, a nut bag, and you know, you have the odd dart in there, the odd pistachio that's hard to open. Imagine pulling out a couple of peanut shells and there's there's nothing in there. Oh, um, we're all we're all a bit time poor these days. You don't need things like that, do you, at the end of the day? No, you don't. Bloody tough enough as it is, mate. All right, anyway, let's go around the grounds. Uh, in the US, it was uh, the Labor Day holiday over there, but futures were trading in a shortened session. Um, like my four-year-old on her bike, uh, the S&P had a, a wobbly start, but soon steadied and, and finished on its feet, uh, finishing around flat. Uh, and then in Europe, let's have a look. The DAX finished in a, in a Richie Benno formation that is down 2.22%. Actually, um, a long way off its lows, though, in the session, um, as was the Eurostocks finishing down about 1.5% after early weakness. Um, in a thin Asian session, 
um, in Asia was a relatively dull day. Uh, Hang Seng finished down about 1% and China was close to flat. Um, in the FX space, euro dollar was down through 99 for the first time in, what are we saying, 20 years, something like that? 20 years, uh, 20 years. Nice yeah. round number. Yeah, everyone's sort of extending out their Bloomberg charts at, at the moment, aren't they? Clicking on that max button on the chart and trying to find <laughs> <laughs> the last of them for their, for their tweets or whatever they're putting out. Um, uh, Sterling was largely unaffected by confirmation of the new PM over there. Um, must have been priced in. Aussie dollar back up through 68 cents on, on dollar weakness. Um, after the dollar index had earlier touched 110 for the first time since the glory days of, I believe, 2002. And commodities, uh, oil story, energies, uh, largely uh, in general, oil up, WTI up about 2% and Brent back up through $95 a barrel. Natural gas strongly higher again uh, on that Nord Stream news after a pullback last week. Um, rates were closed, Chris, for, for Labor Day in the US, but any observations in that space? Um, well, futures are open uh, up until mm. I think about 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, but I, I just I don't think it really matters too much. The week now starts. Uh, so we draw a line under the sand, don't we, Mr. Ripper? We, we, we move on to uh, bigger and better things. Obviously, hopefully everyone, any US listeners uh, had, a, had a good good holiday. But uh, in terms of where we are, I mean, let's just set the scene because um, we've got an RBA meeting today. The market's pricing in 46 basis points then. But it's kind of evenly distributed if you go out to the further curves. We've got the next meeting after that, 4th of October, we've got 37 basis points. And it really sort of goes up in those kind of increments until we really get to something around 3.8% is what we call the terminal rate, which is the highest point that the market's pricing in. Um, in terms of uh, rate expectations, there, the Bank of England. Uh, we had a few, we had a change of prime minister last night. Obviously, Liz Truss getting it done, fifty-seven um, percent of the votes. But uh, yeah, we also saw um, Catherine Mann, who, along with Dave Ramsden, is probably the most hawkish member of the MPC, and she's opened the door for a seventy-five basis point hike uh, on the fifteenth of September. Now there's pr- seventy-one basis points being priced. So we're nearly there. Uh, the 3rd of November, the next meeting after that priced into 70. So the rates curve in, in the UK is very, very um, elevated at the moment. Um, but the pound not really following what we're seeing in terms of rate pricing. It's looking at relative growth deferentials where the UK is expected to have uh, the softest growth uh, into 223. We'll see if uh, Liz Truss can, can do something about that, uh, pull a rabbit out of the hat. Uh, in the US, um, we're going, we've got ISM services numbers tonight. We'll talk about those in a second. But the um, the next meeting, as we know, is on the 21st of September. The market's pricing 64 basis points. Um, yeah, the terminal rate, which, as I said, is, is, is the highest point. Uh, we're looking for somewhere uh, into the sort of th- into the late three eights. So yeah, what can take us above four percent is where you're going to get that 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 next leg up in the dollar. So that's where we are. Of course, we've got the RBA, we've got the ECB meeting on Thursday, and the market is pricing sixty six basis points of hikes for that meeting. Uh, so that takes the, the deposit rate to effectively fifty seven point fifty seven basis points. So we're uh, we're out of firmly out of negative territory. The market is veering on balance to a seventy five basis point hike. So that is your rates wrap up, Mr. Redford. What a wrap up it is! Um, <laughs> if we can, yeah, if we can drill down a bit on those moves that we talked about and some of the things you touched on there. Um, first thing I've got to ask you about is um, uh, natural gas moves in the energy space. The energy crisis. OPEC uh, agreed overnight to cut output in October by a hundred thousand barrels. OPEC did, yeah. I mean, it was there was a small risk that was going to happen, um, and and if you consider that the 
the, the Europe, uh, one of the energy ministers in Europe came out and suggested that the um, Iranian deal is not looking great at the moment, um, then, you know, you should have probably seen a bigger move than what we were expecting. I mean, it was, the market saw it as a psychological move. 100,000 barrels is, is, you know, dropping the ocean effectively. Um, and the market didn't really get overly excited by it, to be fair. I mean, we closed up 2.2%. Yeah, okay. You know, some of the US traders were out, um, you know, for the long weekend, but uh, the market not, I probably would have said that you, if we were going to get um, uh, uh, an output cut uh, of any magnitude, given that the the large consensus was that we wouldn't see that, um, that you'd probably see a bigger move than that, especially if uh, the Iranian deal looks like it's looking precarious now. And, and obviously that was going to bring in some extra supply onto the market. So you know, we didn't see that. Um, you know, I think people are still looking to, to sell into strength. So also, let's let's watch the price action in the session ahead. I think that could give us a much more realistic situation. European nat gas, I mean, obviously, uh, the, the talk was around Nord Stream, uh, and that's been now taken offline. We don't know how long for. It could be for quite a long period of time. Uh, the high inventory levels that we've got in, in, in Germany and a lot of the other European countries, that, that means something for now. But ultimately, if there's no flow, they will eat into, eat into that. Uh, the question, of course, is, is what's the scope for rationing um is is that going to happen either this winter probably not this winter but into into next year's winter that's going to be the scope that we're really focused on um so yeah look, i think it was interesting we got up to 290 euros per megahertz megawatts or, or the scope is and um yeah traders sold in and we closed at 240 so it was it was up uh european natural gas was up quite a lot on the day uh, scott but uh mm-hmm. well off well off the highs well off the highs and, and it does feel to me that perhaps um you know uh, that it may may a lot of the bad news may be in the price and what's going to push us sustainably in, into 300 uh, euros and, and back you know a further high so that's the question we've got to ask at the moment but you know we saw an article I saw an article yesterday that uh, uh, one bank Goldman Sachs are suggesting that we could see that that the average European household the average household is going to be paying uh, 500 euros per month for um, for their for their gas bills. That's up 200% from this time last year. So I don't know if that's going to hit. I think the damage is pretty much already done there. So, Yeah, I, I keep seeing um, shots of people with their bills over there, you know, particularly commercial bills, you know, shops in the UK saying we've got to close because our bill's gone from, you know, 10 grand a year to 50 grand a year. Well, that's the, uh, that's the, big, the, the biggest story is, is the rising um, unrest that's coming through. Um, mm. We saw Germany coming out yesterday and saying that they want to put a, a 65 billion uh, package to help people out, help households. Liz Truss was talking about 100 um, billion quid uh, package to help uh, offset some of the, the cost of living through through gas prices. Um, Finland and, and Sweden have announced packages to help their energy companies through liquidity measures. And of course, that sort of really, you know, really case in point was the 70 odd thousand people who were marching through Prague on the weekend. So I think that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, a, that's an issue that really needs to be paying attention to is the social fabric breaking down because of people's costs. You know, one, six out of 10 manufacturing businesses in the UK could, could, could go under as a result of this. So very much yeah. a watch this space. It's, it's one of the big stories at the moment. And people are looking to alternatives, of course, you know, that talk about nuclear energy reignited. And that's right. um, in our space, people starting to wonder, you know, how do you invest in that if that is indeed the future? You know? In the future. Okay, next point. Um, we touched on it before uh, the new PM over there in the UK. Um, no immediate impact, it seems, on currencies and markets is largely priced in. Yep. Uh, but any thoughts going forward on big changes, big things to watch out for? 
Yeah, I think there's well, there's a few people looking at the the cabinet makeup. Uh, well, yeah, what's uh, what's it going to look like? Um, there's been a few names being dropped, and um, but again, I don't think it's really a pound issue, to be honest, Scott. Um, mm. I, I think yeah, we're all looking at the fact that the, the UK has a um, you know issues with you know, current accounts and its capital account. You know, its balance of payments all over, uh, are looking pretty precarious at the moment. Um, you know, you've got very very high inflation much higher than really any other country in the, in the G10. Um, and, and that's expected to last for some time. Um, and you've got a market now, which is, is, is pricing in a very lot, you know, a very steep degree of rate, rate hikes. And, and that's just going to crimp demand. So you've got a, a currency, which is, is looking very like, um, you know, you're looking at relative growth dynamics. And so, yeah, I, I think Everyone is bearish on the pound. Every strategist is is talking 105 to 110 in cable, um, and and I think that's that's really it. So I wouldn't be focused on on the on the um, on the PM. I think she's she's going to have a work cut out to to come out with the fiscal measures to support growth and get people through what's going to be a tough winter. But I think people are looking at uh, other measures and, and saying that you know from a, from a, from an inflation perspective, the UK probably has some of the darkest um, dynamics and makes you just want to go short the pound. So. Climb, Climb-wise, um, yeah, as we talked about last week, we, we've got this kind of hodgepodge of, of, of flow types, people's positionings, or different types of uh, you know, durations and, 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 and strategies and various factors. But on a net basis, the people are still expecting a bit of a short covering bounce uh, from, from the pound? Uh, yeah, exactly right, mate. And that is our biggest position at the moment. Our client's biggest position is is long cable, effectively. Um and we've seen actually a decent amount of trading and and sterling pairs overnight, not just the usual cable and euro sterling, but also um, against the yen, even against CAD. Um, they've reduced their short dollar position, but um, still very much short and and increasingly long sterling. Looking for that bounce, as you say, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. No, I th- I, I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of uh, lower levels in in the pound. I think, uh, yeah, I think we, we I think we trade into one ten. Maybe not now. Uh, I just think, yeah, a lot's now down to the US dollar side of the equation. And um, mm. so, yeah, I'd be looking if you want to play a, just a, an isolated view on the pounds, uh, do so against um, against the crosses. I think is the play there. Set a stop order and see what happens. Yeah, okay. Um, next thing I had to ask you about was China. They've intervened um, to support the yuan. That's been in focus re- uh, recently. Dollar CNH. Yeah, the uh, PBOC have uh, reduced uh, the the reserve ratio required um, in terms of holding foreign currency. So banks and in, in financial institutions in, in China are expected or, or mandated to hold, um, you know, around eight percent of, of their of their foreign reserves um, deposits, effectively. Um, so by cutting that down to 6%, so they've dropped it by 2 percentage points or 200 basis points, they're effectively allowing people to, to sell their foreign foreign exchange reserves. Um, and that means buying back their currency. So yeah, if you bring it down to 6%, they need to hold 6% of their foreign currency deposits in, in, in reserves as opposed to eight. That means that they can sell some of their foreign currency reserves, as I talked about, which in theory... Uh, it should bring down dollar CNH, the, the, the offshore yuan and, and onshore yuan. Um, and that sort of comes at a time when we've seen the, the PBOC's fixing mechanism, which comes out at quarter past 11 every day. Um, and they've brought the midpoint down, um, which makes it a stronger yuan fixing for eight days in a row. It's pretty clear the PBOC, Scott, do not want to see this one-way move that we've been seeing in dollar CNH, which for me doesn't get a lot of attention from clients. I'll talk to you about that in a second. 
But mm. for me, it's, it's been right at the backbone um, of this dollar move that we've been seeing. So, you know, are we going to see a drive down? We haven't really seen too much in the way of sellings of dollars on the back of this. We'll see how Asia trades it today. That that fixing um, in, in short period of time could be very important there. But, uh, you know, the PBOC are throwing a lot of stuff now at at trying to strengthen the yuan. It's not working that well. Do, what, are, what are clients um, feeling on, on, on this position here? I'm guessing they're, they're short because they're kind of trying to short US dollar bias. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. That is right. It's always one, you know, we never see a huge amount of business in a dollar CNH, maybe surprisingly. Maybe it's um, just, I don't know what it is, but that puts clients off. Maybe it's too volatile. Maybe they're wary of big intervening moves. Um, you know, borderlining on manipulation, I guess. Um, but yeah, they they are short at this stage, definitely. Yeah. That well, back. I think yeah. the the big yeah. level you've got to look for. We're trading six six eighty four at the moment. Is uh, is seven? That's kind of your line in the sand. I think we get there. Maybe it might take mm. us a while because it's a bit of the grind. Probably that's why people look at other currencies. But uh, yeah, I think we get above seven. I think uh, it'd be interesting to see um, what new measures the PBOC can pull out uh, to try and make this one a bit lower. So that's an interesting one there. Mm, mm. Uh, lastly, mate, the RBA, we're expecting another 50 basis point uh, increase in rates today um, and a hawkish tone from the governor. Are we, what are we thinking? No alarms and no surprises there. Hard to hard for you to sum up quickly, but I guess in a nutshell. <laughs> but, um, well, we've got, we, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, look, the, you know, the jobs number recently, we saw um, the unemployment rate down, obviously jobs lost. Uh, it, was, it was a pretty poor headline job number, um, but certainly the unemployment rate um, continues to be you know, something that's supportive of, of rates going forward. We know that uh, the retail sales number recently was very strong, but at the same time, consumer confidence is, is falling. So that sort of does, uh, that, that sort of a mixed tone. Um, but the rates market guides me as always. And, and um, yeah, we've, we've got 45 basis points today. It's being priced in of hikes. So, mm. yeah, 50 basis points shouldn't be a surprise. They might get a little bit of a pop, 15, 20 pips or so. And I think the algos will smack it straight down. The question is, 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 um, is what are we looking at further the further around the curve? And we talked about that. They've got quite an ease, even distribution. Um, the market's sort of toying with, you know, for the next few months is like, do we get 25? Do we get 50? We don't know yet. It's too far out. So they've kind of positioned themselves for each month uh, halfway around. And uh, as I say, we're going to sort of June, July next year uh, with the cash rate expected to peak out around 380. So the tone of the statement will need to marry up with that pricing. Um, if, if you know, de- Depending on how that, that goes, this is something we'll look at. Of course, the other big situation is is uh, with the change of government recently is, is that we could be potentially looking uh, at a review of the RBA um, and, and the opportunity there to, to, to see if we're going to change their mandate. It's not going to come through in today's statement, but that's something, of course, we are watching further down the line. So, yeah, big one there. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll see. We'll see then. Maybe we'll uh, report on that one on, on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. And it certainly feels like the general public is sort of waiting for whatever the new normal is in that area, isn't it? You know, I went to an auction around the corner here, as you do on the weekend. And, um, you know, they're lucky to get one bid. It's starting off with the vendor bid. People are sort of sitting on their yeah. hands versus six months ago where the coffee truck's pulling up. It's absolute chaos. You've got five people bidding. It's going a million above its reserve. So yeah, like people are sort of waiting for the dust to settle. And Those days what... are gone. Those days are gone. For now. For now. Let's see. Yeah. When does the RBA yeah. pivot? We'll see. It doesn't look like the rates market's telling us it's going to be anytime soon. Mm. Um, looking ahead, mate, we've covered most of it. Anything else? The, uh, you touched briefly on the ISM services index level in the US. Is the yeah. market sensitive to the, to those sort of figures at the moment? That, that, that you should be. You should know. I mean, they mm. haven't been. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I think given that we're the market's expecting that to, that diffusion index to come out at fifty five point four, um, it still doesn't indicate that services uh, you know are in recession. Remember, this is a survey of, of supply managers. They come out every month and say yeah how they got a, a questionnaire. They someone calls them up and says how is your business doing and you know, you basically give that feedback. So at the moment, it's still in expansion month and month. So I don't think that's going to cause too much in the way of volatility unless it came below 50, uh, which would be a very big shock and a massive surprise. What else we got? We got the um, balance of payments numbers in Australia today, uh, which net, net exports of GDP are expected to contribute 90 basis points. And that will obviously feed into the GDP number, which comes out tomorrow in Australia. Um, aside from that, um, yeah, I think it's... Uh, yeah, continue to position ahead for the for the market ramp up as uh, as liquidity comes back online. Um, we've got the RBA yeah. meeting and uh, and yeah, some bigger fish to to fry this uh, this week with the ECB meeting, the Bank of Canada, um, Brainard, Powell speaking, um, and we'll cover those later on in the week on the on the on the Friday podcast. So yeah, I think it's uh, for me it's the RBA, um, and it brings yeah. me on to the the yeah what what are, what are the markets to watch? Um, for me, the Aussie dollar. Uh, I think on the day, I want to trade a 68.50, 67.40 range. I think that's the level to fade and, and uh, both those kind of extremities. Uh, that's kind of what the employed vols are telling me in terms of movement there. So, yeah, I think that's uh, that's the one. I'll be leaving orders into that. But uh, you're obviously watching the reaction. Uh, that's the obvious one that we're going to see a bit of flow in today. Just on the interest of, just on that, Scott, how are, how are clients uh, trading uh, the Aussie dollar? Is that, is that just another case of, of being short? The US dollar effectively and just taking that, or are they actually seeing something a bit more nuanced on, on, on the Aussie? Uh, I think it's a bit of a combination. I definitely um, part of that dollar weakness story. They are long Aussie dollar, but um, we're seeing a lot of active positioning in that. And, you know, no doubt when we go through those key levels, we'll see position swap around quickly. Yeah, right. And then, and, and uh, you, what were you looking at for the uh, for the just the trade for the play? Uh, the one I've, I'm looking at today is the DAX. Um, we saw sort of strange moves on on the futures open yesterday. Um, it was way down relative to other markets. The correlations were out of whack. Um, it sort of did fall back into line um, once the cash market opened, but it feels very elastic if that's the right word to to energy crisis new the energy crisis news at the moment and um all of a sudden it sort of feels much more sensitive to headlines um than it has been up until this point yeah um, so yeah that's the one i'm looking at good stuff good stuff and um uh, while we wrap up fact of the day i've, I've looked your last last week was a was a was a was a crowd pleaser what have you got for us this week yeah, that means the pressure's on, doesn't it? I, well, you started off talking about nuts, and maybe we sort of have a, a bookend in a way, and and finish off with uh, this fact that the word avocado derives from the Aztec word for testicle. Oh. Uh, so that's something to think about as you as you're <laughs> cutting your next one open for your brunch this morning. So Aztec, uh, a language that gets used much these days, or not? I guess not. I guess maybe it's derivations and maybe we use it more than we think, but uh, yeah. yeah, probably not. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to go with, uh, not that I'm the fact man, you are the fact king. My one I saw today uh, as I was walking in, uh, the average American spends two and a half days a year looking for lost items. That is a lot of lost time looking for lost items. Two and a half days. It's a lot, and I guess yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> not that it works like this, but if you if you knew that ahead of time, you'd almost want to carve that out of the calendar wouldn't you go all right i'm going to spend the next two days looking for lost items get it out of the way early in the year i also but, um, saw that um uh, uh the pineapple pizza was developed in uh 1962 by a greek canadian man so thanks to, thanks greek. to him 
They invented everything, the Greeks, didn't they? <laughs> they did. They did. They did. Anyway, we'll wrap it up there. So uh, a pleasure to, to for all the viewers. Hope you stuck around. Give us a review in the in the podcaster store if you can. Uh, and we'll be back on Friday uh, for more of the Open Outcry series. Uh, until next time. Thanks, Chris. Cheers, Cheers mate. Take care.